0: Welcome back. <laughs> um, I'm Rebecca Mancia, and I'm Claritza. So, who are we talking about, Ram? We're t- uh, we're talking about Luis Maylu Jones. Yes. Yeah. Um, So she's kind of important
1: to me specifically. So she's actually a Boston-based painter. And she was born in New Jersey, and our Rebbe here was born in New Jersey. You might remember from... Yeah. Our Rebbe here... Fun facts. Is a New Jersey native. No. (laughs) Not quite. Well, New Jersey... Adjacent. Adjacent. Right, yeah. New I was Jersey born by there. proxy. Right. <laughs>
0: New Jersey by proxy. Um,
1: so, Maylu Jones was Bostonian, technically. She yeah, she
0: was born in New Jersey. Um, in 1905. Yeah, and her parents came first to Cambridge and then down to Boston um, for more of a city life, a cosmopolitan experience, and better opportunities. So, her parents were actually pretty well off. Yeah, they were part of the. Like the affluent black community in Boston. Yeah, so they were part
1: of like the Boston's black upper-class society,
0: Mm -hmm. so they were pretty well-known. Like, her mother was a cosmetologist. Yeah, and her father started as a superintendent of a building, and then he realized that there was no room for improvement, and he wanted a better life for him and his family, so at night, he got his law degree. Yeah, so he was taking night classes in 1915.
1: That's crazy. What the hell was... (laughs) What was Boston like in 1915?
0: That's insane. I mean, everyone was wearing, like... I don't know. Right. It was like right. the end of the Gilded Age, kind yes. of the tail end of it. It yeah. was very interesting. Lots of posh people. Yeah. I can't imagine. There's a big wealth disparity. Right.
1: And still exists in Boston today. I mean, we shouldn't get into that, but... I mean, or we can.
0: Or we, can. <laughs> or, or we should. Uh, this podcast is recorded within sight
1: of Boston itself.
0: <laughs> right. So, hey.
1: Prideful people. <laughs> Um, So they spent, like, a lot of their summers in, like, wealthy areas. They they spent a lot of their time in Martha's Vineyard, which is pretty, you know, I mean, at least today, it's a pretty wealthy part. Yeah, it's a pretty
0: wealthy part of Massachusetts. And it's because of her maternal grandmother, who was, like, a domestic... Uh, worker for a family, and then she saved up enough money to buy property on Martha, Martha's Vineyard. Mm-hmm. So, as a family, as long as she can remember, they would spend time there during the summers. So,
1: right, yeah. So Maylou Jones, she wasn't, like, originally a painter. That's what I really no. like about her, too. Like, yeah. her, you could see, like, her evolving so intensely.
0: Yeah, she... So she <coughs> began, paint, like, drawing and painting, as we all do, you know, as children. Um, but she was really encouraged by her parents to, to take it seriously. And her father pushed her to get a design degree because it was more practical mm-hmm. at the time. So um, she got... Simultaneously, a oh well, first she went to a so because they pushed her, she went to a practical arts high school, which Mm -hmm. is cool in Boston, right? I wish I did that. I know
1: it's literally called High School of Practical Arts in Boston. (laughs)
0: What if if I would call (laughs) art anything? It wouldn't be practical. (laughs) Oh my god, imagine! Oh my god, I want to go to a practical arts like school. There was one, and there was like one I remember hearing about in Arizona, but. But, like, my parents never thought that was an option, I right. don't think. Because to think of art practically. Right, yeah. Right. I was, yeah, that's why I was an English major first. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. I was going to be a teacher.
1: Whoa. It's never too late, Rob. Right, yeah. I oh, I, I genuinely think you should be a teacher, though. Right, I'd be the stern No, you should be a professor. Teacher, everyone. No bullshit. I
0: think you should. I think <laughs> we have a star here. Right, I would love to. I think it'd be fun. Um... um but, yeah, so she, then she simultaneously got a degree from the RISD! Mu- she got a degree at RISD, didn't no, she? No. She, so she worked closely with someone at RISD, with Grace oh. Ripley. But okay. But she, when she, <laughs> <laughs> she went to the SMFA, the School of the Museum of Fine oh, Arts yeah, of did. Boston, yep. um, and then also got a certificate for textile design from the Boston Normal School, which is now Mass Art. Yep. So, very Boston. Um, so pretty early
1: on, I think she figures out that being a woman of color wasn't going to be easy for her in the, art, in the arts, in the world of the arts. Right. I think she grew up pretty affluent, but yeah.
0: still wasn't. Yeah. You know, she was still a black woman. Yeah. It's hard. S- it's tough.
1: S- and in the arts, you know, still wasn't immune to racism at this time. Still isn't. Still isn't. mm mm-hmm. Still current. So the only place that would really surprisingly exhibit her was like Mar- uh, Martha's at Martha's Vineyard, right? Yeah, um, which I thought was really interesting. And we
0: literally just watched a clip yeah. that oh, maybe yeah. we'll include. Yeah, we
1: might include. Uh, <laughs> we like, can have that later. Pending copyrights, <laughs> right? Yeah, figure um, out this really figure nice YouTube video of her going into detail about her struggle. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, finding a gallery that would represent a woman of color. Um, and so in 1923, at age seven she has her first solo exhibit mm-hmm. um, in Martha's Vineyard, and what's the gallery called? Henry A. Ryder. I'm gonna look that in guy up. In
0: garden. I- I'm gonna look There's this man up. Area. Who is this guy? Who
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> so do need to call him
0: up? Yeah, and so in 1927, very yeah, 17, and then uh, a few years later she graduates with honors from the SMFA and then gets her certificate at the same time, um, and then she begins Graduate work the very same year kind of went all in um, at the Design Art School of Boston, where she studied with a German textile artist, Ludwig Frank. Frank. Yeah. I don't know how you would say that.
1: I mean, again, we are. Oh, so this school is now known as
0: Mass Art. Right. Yeah. Um, so she got a degree from Mass Art, which is kind yeah, of pretty nice. Cool. And she was an active freelance um, designer in fabrics and textiles, mm-hmm. and I think that's—I don't know—it's fascinating because you can really feel kind of later in her career. I don't know that when she first started in portraiture, you can't really feel that. Yeah. But I think her design—I think she comes back to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, later on, um, so she, while she was in New York, kind of presenting her design portfolio, she saw her own designs on a whole set of furniture, mm-hmm. and that, and the fact that her name wasn't attached to it really bothered her. Yeah. I think she really wanted that recognition. Like,
1: she uses the word, like, it bothered me, like, that her she wasn't recognized
0: for these designs. Because they're beautiful.
1: I mean, who the hell, like, looks at a furniture and says, ooh, who's the artist of this piece (laughs) of fabric? Like, you know?
0: like Also, a shout out to the fact that textile and fabric and embroidery Mm -hmm. designs are less are held in a lower regard because yeah, shout yeah. out they're mostly made by women mm-hmm. and no one cares yeah, yeah of no course. one gives a shit they'll just sit on it <laughs> um. <laughs>
1: They'll just sit up there. <laughs> The first piece we're gonna talk about is right? one of her
0: textile designs. Yes,
1: yeah. which I really love. though. it's beautiful,
0: and so, there's a few others. Um, what's it called? Because I can't pronounce textile that. design for cratons. Cratons. I don't crouton. know.
1: There's a lot of French influences. In yeah, her we'll get work, to that later, which but we will
0: get to. She was. Um, she spent a lot of time in France, where she found it less racist.
1: Yeah, interesting. Than <laughs> she becomes like very good friends with like you know French
0: Frenchmen. And yeah, with her translator actually, who lived yeah. in sou- the south of France, mm-hmm. um, who we'll also get to later. But she, yes. she was a. She, oh. was a, she was a friend of hers for 50 years yeah. of her life, yeah. which is incredible. Which I love. I like that. Right.
1: Um, So this piece is from 1928. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. It's at the Smithsonian. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and
0: it's basically watercolor on paper, though. Yeah. I mean, that's what the basis of the design yeah. is. It's a blue background, sort of like branch and yeah. flower blooms. It's very floral. And it's, the thing that I think is most most interesting about it is the color combination mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that it's complementary colors so like orange and blues mm-hmm. That wouldn't normally work together, but I think it's so fun. Yeah, it's and very vibrant. Warm. Yeah, it's very warm, which I love.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but like her later works, like she steps away from this vibe yes. for a really long time. But I feel like her later works, like right, you can you can yeah, feel the design coming the back are in, and she are uses
0: back. Uh, patterns from like West African cultures and East African cultures. Yeah. Um, but of this design or of this, you know, kind of lack of recognition in the design field, um... Louise Maylou Jones says, in her own words, only the name of the design was known, never the artist. That bothered me because I was doing all this work but not getting any recognition, and I realized I would have to think seriously about changing my prof- profession if I were to be known by name.
1: And boom. that's boom. That's where I happened. And that's it. That happens. Happens. She fucking full she pivots. She was like, I'm going to be a fucking artist. Yes, I'm, I'm going to paint here the here shit it. out of this. <laughs> Which I love. She was like, she was was like fuck it i don't want to be a nobody like i want like and i think it was like that confidence too i think it was also her parents you know yeah i think she grew up like knowing that she was worth a lot yeah which is um yeah which is really nice (laughs) to have this like person with so much confidence so she not that textile art is any lesser like she which she knows but it's like the fact that she just wanted to be she wanted to be
0: recognized she didn't want to just be something and i think From an early start, she was never afraid to progress Mm -hmm. in her design, in her aesthetics, in her use of color and form. That's yours, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, so... So then what does she do um, in North Carolina? So she meets the sort of during um, a lecture series. She meets Charlotte Hawkins Brown, who is the founder and director of the Palmer Memorial Institute, which was a junior college in North Carolina. And she convinces this woman to basically create a full create blown, fucking job for yeah, her. Yeah, <laughs> like, she's like, make an art department. <laughs> hey, hey, girl, I need you to do. Yeah. I need a job, and yeah. you seem like the right fit. So and she makes. She does that. Yeah, she does it. And and she makes a branch of this institute at the MFA for an art department, and it's geared toward African American youths, like people who are mm-hmm. interested in going to college.
1: But she also did a lot for this junior college. Oh like yeah, she she coached. I love this. She, she coached, coached the, bas- the basketball team. <laughs> she taught folk dancing, right, and played the piano for Sunday chapel. Like, Precious get it, angel, girl. Baby. Like, what else could
0: you do? I love it. Like, she's a perfect. She's, angel. It's like, listen, I get. I'm. I don't do anything. I'm the laziest person alive, I know. and I. I get so jealous of people who are so driven.
1: Especially like as an artist, like sometimes it could be so overwhelming to even think of doing anything else. But homegirl coached the basketball I team. I want to coach a basketball. Me team.
0: too. So I was on a. I was on. I played a lot of sports as a kid. No, you didn't. Yeah, I was what? on a lot. of... I was on like swim team every summer. I was on volleyball team. Jesus Christ, Rev, Did you know that I didn't know this about you? <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so. The those I was okay at, Wait, but what? one time my mom signed me up for youth basketball. Yeah, wow, was I bad? <laughs> it, I was so bad. I they I barely played. I was on the bench most of the time. I was so bad. I love watching basketball. <laughs> I am so bad at it. No. Yeah, it was, and none of my friends were there, and all the other girls were like judging me how bad I was. Oh my god, that's
1: <laughs> terrible.
0: Uh, I mean, here's well, a little. I still have my, that jersey if you want to take a look at it. Oh my god I need to. We'll we'll put it, <laughs> we will post it on our Instagram probably I wear
1: it like Damn. a regular shirt. At yeah. least you, I didn't play a single sport. You didn't play any sport? A single sport. Oh, really? I cheerleaded for like th-
0: like two dreadful years of my life. Two whole years? Mm-hmm. I was I, a cheerleader. I went to a cheerleading camp and was like this isn't for me. <laughs> what? Why? Why did you go? Because my best friend's older sister was, like, oh one God. of the counselors I at this cannot. fucking camp. And I was like, wow, this is a lot of enthusiasm. I'm not into it. Reb, I cannot <laughs> picture you cheerleading. This is, like, the most oxymoron thing I've
1: ever yeah, heard in yeah, my life. Yeah, can you
0: picture me? I was Who and are you? And then cut to two years after that, me, like, full emo kid, like, full know, black eyeliner. But you're still an emo
1: kid. This is what hey, cracks you me you never up. grow out of it. Wow. I love it. Okay, well, we <laughs> learn something new every day. <laughs> Anyways.
0: That's perfect. Okay, so, yeah, I would never be a basketball coach, but she was. Right, and she was boss at it, clearly. Clearly. But, um... So, in so ni- during this time. So, during this
1: time, one year later, in 1929, um, she's starting to work on art. Like, she Right, was, she's, she's decided, yeah, she's this like, is what she wants. I'm going to do this. So, she creates this amazing piece. I'm, like, obsessed with you this really, really piece. You really like this one? Um, so, this is a charcoal piece. It's called Negro Youth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a drawing of a student um, at the institute that she was um, the chairperson and instructor mm-hmm. at, and that she, you know, coached the basketball team. And that, did all the shit. That whole nine. So, she does this portrait of this, of this boy, and it's
0: just it's so good. Yeah. I'm, like, obs- I really enjoy this piece. It's good, and it's um, I think it's powerful to see Mm. like a young African American portrait. In like such a dignified manner. Mm, like he's yeah. very regal. Like, so just to
1: describe the piece, like it's it's the profile of this boy. He's wearing a, it obviously looks like he's wearing like a button-up. Yeah, it Sundays looks like best, his yeah. Sunday's best. Like he's wearing a tie, it looks like he's wearing a sweater, and he looks so serious. Like mm-hmm. he has like this very serious face. Um, so she did this piece in 1929. Um, the dimensions is twenty nine by twenty-two, which is she a works pretty small. Yeah, but it's a decent yeah, size like for a charcoal, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, it's also in the Smithsonian, so
0: <laughs> go and check it out. It won honorable mention mm-hmm. in the national competition for the Harmon Foundation of New York, which was a foundation um, to assist in the development of a greater economic security for the Negro race, mm-hmm. which is like quotations from Wikipedia. So, right. um, yeah, the advan- advancement of African-Americans, basically. Um, and so... I think, you like, no, the, this same year. What? Yeah. No, no, go for, go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, this same year, she was recru- recruited to Howard University. Yes. Whoop, in whoop. Washington, D.C., which, which is a historically ba- black university. Love it. Yeah. So, which I just saw us. I told you this. You did And he's me. wearing Winston. No spoilers. Winston. What's his last name? I don't know.
1: Hot, oh, my God.
0: Winston.
1: Guy. Yeah. Like, the he and, he thunder thighs. Oh, Winston, wow. Winston. It's like Winston Churchill. It's like Winston. It's Winston
0: Churchill. Like I don't Winston, fucking know his name, but I remember Winston. Um, but Dude, he's wearing it's going to kill a, um, me. No, it's He's wearing a Howard University sweater. And oh I was like, God. wow. No, he
1: is all types of handsome. Yeah, I like Winston Duke. It. Winston Duke. God. God. The he name sounds of like a prince. He sounds like a prince, Literally, yeah. Literally, he sounds like a prince. <laughs> he oh, looks my God, like I love it, too. love anyway, it. Anyway. Um, so she starts working at Un- How-
0: Howard University, which, uh-huh. which I love. Right. And, um, yeah, so I think... <sighs> She was really inspired by the other people that she was around at the time. Like, other in the art department and other, like, like strong black yeah. people yeah. that she was around. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see this in the next work that we're going to talk about. Yeah,
1: which is, is so different. Like, she's very... She's, like... An in early Flip indication, from, thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, she's going back and forth with her styles. These which I first really like. three pieces that we're talking about are so different. Mm, yeah, but I mean yeah. that's the strength of the artist. <clears throat> yep. So in 1932, um, she really starts taking serious interest um, in African subjects, mm-hmm. um, and she starts portraying, you know, more of the black. Influence the mm-hmm. black experience in her work. She's really starting to talk about herself, and she's starting to talk about, um, you know, her past and like her her culture. Yeah,
0: and also she was an artist of the Harlem Renaissance. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and I think it's you know like an early indication of the of the times to come of Mm -hmm. like the black power movement yeah and I think right because this is 1932 right very early Mm -hmm. um this is still when fucking you shall not be named Picasso was using African masks as quote unquote inspiration of the quote unquote primitive but whatever we'll get to that well fuck (laughs) men fuck men especially Picasso Mm -hmm. Oh wow wow wow. I think this is like maybe
1: in all the podcasts where I've said the phrase I know we'll Picasso. have a bingo board where I know or you like you have in. to take a shot every time we say yeah, every fuck time I, say Picasso. Picasso.
0: <laughs> I mean I've never felt something so strongly I know before in my life I
1: mean I used to love him but now I'm like you can do God. you can listen no, I'm not I mean, gonna judge now you
0: now I don't like him well, if, well, whoever wants to like Picasso like him I guess I'll sit down and have a beer and just tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't but right, whatever right. I mean you sold me so
1: now. <laughs> so now fuck <laughs> Picasso, so, basically. <laughs>
0: right, so I'm um, right. So this next piece, the ascent of Ethiopia, was heavily influenced by, and even in the in the title of the piece, by Meta Warwick Fuller, um, who made a really beautiful sculpture um, called the Awakening of Ethiopia. Um, so she, it was a, like a small sculpture, um, and she took the the profile from it definitely um of the like shrouded figure um the like you can feel the african masks and the aesthetics based on african sculpture Mm -hmm. so yeah and I think this is repre- representation of the emergence of Black Americans from the sh- that from the book I read. Um, she calls it the shackles of colonialism, both physical and psychological, which I love. Yeah, I know, yeah. break them. So this piece is like
1: so different than the than portrait. what she's yeah. doing currently. Yeah, you can and tell even that at, she's like, after like after this.
0: really coming into her own like style. Right, and I. Um I don't know, maybe growing up as an Af- you know, like an affluent African American in Boston, mm-hmm. I think maybe she didn't always feel the connection mm-hmm. between her and um what she would later call like the homeland. Mm-hmm. Um which like I feel that. I grew up in like the suburbs, yeah. so I know, you know, like yeah. you're not always cognizant of what's what your heritage is. Um but yeah, it's it's blues and yellows yeah. um with like a dignified portrait at the lower right margin, and then um, these, like, silhouetted figures. Yeah,
1: you got, like, some pyramids there. Mm -hmm. There's, like, the word art written in the top (laughs) um, right corner,
0: which is obviously personal to her. Right. I think this is in a lot of ways it's not definitely not my favorite piece of hers I think you yeah. can feel her need to grow definitely. Yeah. and I think it's
1: I mean I think it's a powerful piece for sure mm-hmm. but yeah I can I know her just knowing that her later works are like so strong refined oh yeah. my god like, like really just whittled crisp, down to, yeah, like, yeah exactly really, but this is like a good like interlude
0: to like what is to come I right think. because the works that she was making, making 50 years yeah. later came mm-hmm. from these pieces that she was making in the 30s. Yeah. So, but she's, she has many strengths shown in kind of the next piece that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Is so different. Yeah. Um,
1: so, so she, she wins an award. She wins a fellowship to study in Paris, mm-hmm. which I think is really where things start to change right. for her. Yeah. Um, sort of
0: the fundamentals yeah. of her study. So
1: we mentioned earlier like she starts to really feel so much which is kind of sad but she starts to feel so comfortable in Paris Mm -hmm. not just with herself but with you know that she's a woman of color like she literally expresses that she felt more comfortable being an artist in Paris as a woman of color than she did in In her own... In Boston. Which
0: was true of a lot of... Yeah. Black artists at the time. Yeah. Like, there was a... I forget his name, but someone that she was in contact with during her time in Paris. This, like, first initial year. And he tried to make it in galleries in the States, but then kind of couldn't get the recognition mm-hmm. and couldn't get the shows because of racism and so mm-hmm. he moved permanently to France. Yeah. Um,
1: I think like already at this point she had been trying to get into galleries. Yeah. And boss. And like what she was doing, do you talk about this? Hmm. What she was doing, the fact that she was like sending. Oh yeah, well yeah. there's
0: a really good story about yeah. that. Is, um, it, is it later on? It's later on. A okay, little we'll, later. We'll get Pretty to close. it. We'll get to it. But yeah, she was um, she would send them not in person. Mm-hmm. You know, she would send them down with someone else. But, yeah, um, we'll, we'll touch base on that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but she formed so
0: many bonds in in Paris. Yeah, um, she. Uh, so she got this this fellowship um, to study at the Academie Julienne in Paris. Um, Academie Julienne. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
1: We are terrible. I, at least I'm so bad with my accent. I'm not. Yeah,
0: I'm not good at accent. If
1: it's not Spanish, I don't know what the fuck I'm What's doing? your Spanish
0: accent? Like, what if you? Like, I know. If I said like. If I said. Like... Um, if I imitate to, your dad, like just. Oh, your, not
1: my dad. My dad will remember. I told you my dad will never. Oh, right not nah, your dad. Oh my god. I can do my, my dad. dad.
0: No, my, what's your dad? <laughs> my dad has such a heavy accent. What would he? My mom thinks it's cute when he says "vicks vapor rub" because he can't oh, say the "v"
1: very well. Oh so no, none the, of vi- none of us. None Vic's of them vapor can. Bub. Yeah, that's that's yeah. my mom. Like, and my dad can't say thing like he can't say "virgin," like he <laughs> says "virgin." Bird. Virgin. Virgin yeah. And like, oh, God forbid someone say I'm going to Yale. It's like they're going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> jail. <laughs> going to jail. <laughs> um, but like, academy, Julien, like if I was. J- if I sounded pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Julian, but like I'm saying it in Spanish. Like I'm like, academy, Julian, like, you know. It's clo-
0: That's closer than yeah, English Julien, is for sure.
1: It's like delicate. You got to say it's like. It's delicate. Academy, Julian. I thought there was a lot of like spit
0: involved. Okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> (laughs) So she gets the fellowship at this place in Julian in Paris. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's,
0: yeah, developing her skills as a painter specifically. Um, And during this period, she's extremely productive, making 40 works in her nine months in Paris.
1: Which is crazy. It's wild, yeah. 40 works in nine months. Yeah. Like, do the math. I make one a
0: month, maybe, if if we're lucky. lucky. (laughs) If we're lucky. (laughs) Right. If I'm, like, sick with the flu or something. Oh,
1: my God but while she was studying here she um, she adopted the the technique of painting in plain air yeah mm-hmm. which is very French very French mm-hmm. um, but she starts doing this and which she, is. The technique of painting
0: outdoors, in the location. in
1: nature, with the subject matter in front of you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she adopts the style, and she takes it with her throughout her career, Mm -hmm.
0: which I think is very hard to do. Oh, yeah. Um, Especially we're living in, like, the the computerized digital age. For us, like,
1: us millennials, like, that's like, what? (laughs) Excuse you. But, like, (laughs) it's just so hard to do in general. Because it's like, you have to be so cognizant of your time. And, and like being focused. Yeah, and, and elements, the they change. And, and, you know, it's just a hard thing to do. But mm-hmm. she, she falls in love with this method, and she uses it throughout her career, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the next piece we're going to talk about is a piece that she did paint in Paris. And Jesus Christ, am I not going to be able to pronounce this? Uh Ooh, Less. why didn't we translate this what? beforehand?
0: Uh Prechoir sur les Paris.
1: Prechoir sur la Seine. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lord knows if that's <laughs> the right way to say it, but its translation is Fisherman at the Seine in Paris.
0: hmm And her first watercolor in Paris. Yep. Um I think form and structure are really important. In the piece, you can feel the landscape. The colors are, you know, a little more muted, but yeah. still rich. Um, and she's, you know, using the whole composition. The whole the whole paper is filled. Um, okay. And And her, so it's a really
1: classic piece. Yeah,
0: I think it's a very French, interesting. Yeah,
1: it's very academic. Yeah,
0: yeah. So she's. Yeah. Okay. So during this time, she's granted an extension um, to her fellowship to continue traveling throughout. Europe through the summer um, with her translator and close friend. We briefly mentioned her earlier, but they're lifelong friends, Celine Tiberi. Tiberi. Um, Tiberi. And, Tiberi. Um, and she applied with Howard University to stay longer, but her professor called her back. Um, but after this time, she's really, she's full on a painter. She's yeah, no she's longer like, hanging on to these threads no, of a no. designer. She's really, she's in She's it. like, I'm into
1: this. Like, this is what she wants to do.
0: <laughs> and, uh... So, following
1: that, so, in 1938, she creates, um, an oil painting. hmm Um, less finches? Fetish. Fetish. It's, like, fetish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is 1938.
0: This is, like, pretty cubist. Um, yeah. It's sort of... Uh, In a lot of ways, like, post-cubist, post-primitive style, um, but definitely African-inspired. Like, there's masks. So there's five masks swirling around in this sort of mysterious way um, on, like, a black background, basically. And it's, I don't know, the, the title also suggests that this is her answer to things like Picasso's um african yeah like it's it seems like a response response.
1: yeah it does yeah. like they're fetishizing Mm -hmm. um the african culture and the the african tribal masks like using it to their own you know aesthetics as opposed to understanding and taking the time to reflect on the actual culture behind it right yeah so i think she's like taking it back. Right. You
0: know? Yeah. And it's it's a theme. African Mass is something that she will use again and again in her career. Mm -hmm. Um, Later on, she kind of does this piece and then kind of goes back to the more traditional portraiture and landscapes, but um, this is again an early indication that these themes were always on her mind. And she was pushed, when she returned from France, she was pushed um, by a professor and friend of hers to um, sort of talk, like, uh, in her work, speak more about the African-American experience and, like, her heritage. So, yeah. Right. And it's also influenced because she was able to see African objects in um, an anthropology museum in Paris, so... I'm not going to try to say it. Okay. Musée de l'homme. Le L'homme. Le and Anthropology Museum. Perhaps. Yeah. We got a lot, I got a lot of this research from The Life and Art of Maylu Jones by Trubado, Tritobia Hayes Benjamin. So trip, 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 Tritobia. Tritobia. Take I'm everything very a grain sorry. of salt. Like, we try our very best <laughs> Um, but after this, she she comes back to Massachusetts, doesn't she? Um, I think she goes back to like Martha's Vineyard right. and the like summer vacation spots. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she was living in DC, right. and, and she never really lived in Boston again. Yeah, um, but she.
1: She does like go back and forth. Right. Um, she uses some subject
0: matters in
1: Massachusetts. Are we there
0: yet? Or not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So okay. she. So this the next piece. We're after um, the sort of African mass piece, which is one of her most well known pieces. Yeah, it's it's a well known. I think if you yeah if you follow contemporary art, you'd know mm-hmm. you know which one we're talking about. Um, but the next piece we're going to talk about is Indian shops, Gayhead, Massachusetts. Which, um, is a is kind of what we hinted at earlier.
1: Yeah, so this piece is interesting. Ni- she did this piece in the nineteen in nineteen forties. Uh huh. Um, and if you've ever been to Massachusetts, um, I'm sure you know, like you know the Mayflower, all that jazz. If Plymouth? you can, if you could, if you could picture Plymouth in your. In your head, this piece looks like it. <laughs> like what, it with looks that, like, like water and the yeah, sunlight. like the you know the the architecture of these little huts. Like it's <laughs> it reminds me of like Plymouth Plantation. Quaint. Yeah, I would call it quaint for like sure. Like just an example, just for my fellow <laughs> my fellow Bostonians to picture. So so
0: at this point, she's submitting work, right? And she's still feeling the racial bias. Um, yeah. One gallery in particular. Uh, was holding an exhibit, the Corcoran Gallery in D.C., and she sent her friend, uh, Celine Tabari, Her who, translator from Paris. Right, this the same friend we just talked about, um, to walk it down to the gallery and hand it in, because if she did it herself, they would have immediately rejected her, because they had a policy against... Um, African-American submissions. So... So basically,
1: pretty straightforward, they forbade... Racism. Yeah. yeah. They forb... Literally, they forbade... Um, Wild. I, African-Americans to submit their
0: own work. So... I mean, yeah, if they knew that she was black, she wouldn't have been allowed. So
1: Jones, literally, which is pretty common, you know, right. women have been doing... Women in general have been doing right. this. Writing yeah, under... Yeah, under male aliases. TJ, so-and-so. Yeah, of course. For But she literally had to find her white, um, you know, her white fair skin friend to submit these works on her behalf, Um, basically (sighs) implying that she
0: didn't paint these. Like,
1: I can't even imagine how...
0: Right. I mean, she still had her own name on it, but it was you know the 1940s. You couldn't yeah. just fucking Google someone. So
1: and then lo and behold, the fucking she piece won an award. Surprise,
0: surprise, because yeah. she's a very talented she's painter. Talented. She has great technique. Yeah. So she wins the Robert Woods Bliss Prize for landscape um, from the Society of Washington Artists. Um, but she also didn't accept the prize in person because she thought she was afraid that it would be rescinded, which yeah. it probably would have um so with this award she broke the color barrier
1: Un- unknowing
0: unbeknownst, unbeknownst to <laughs> to the gallery yeah which is like but, s- i mean i'm not gonna say fuck that gallery because i'll get to why not later on but i mean fuck the people who ran the gallery at the time so yeah right. But this really, it boosted her confidence. And really, since she had pivoted towards painting as opposed to designing, she, this was like, yes, I'm actually, I'm on the right path. This is what I want to do. Right. Um, and so not long after that, she met Alan Locke, who was a, an African-American Rhodes Scholar, Poet Laureate of the Harlem Renaissance, and Chairman of the Philosophy Department at Howard Damn. University. Get it. Like, wow. I right know. Talk about, right. like, <laughs> Stacked. <laughs> Credentials right. there. Credentials. Yeah. <laughs> like, the list goes
1: on. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so he had a big voice yeah. in, in the art world, for yeah. sure. in that community. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, he was the one who encouraged her to reevaluate her subject matter and kind of take her heritage into account when she was producing. And so because of this, she produced a lot of um, portraits of mm-hmm. both well-known and lower Figures in the African American black community. Um, So the next one we're going to talk about is the banjo player which isn't her most well known work of this period. But I really like this piece. I think it's beautiful. I think this
1: piece also takes us back to um, the technique that she uses for her her charcoal piece, uh, Negro Youth. Yeah. Um, So this piece was a 1944 piece um, Mm -hmm. and just like a short description, it's basically a man It's a it's it's a portrait of a man. He's wearing a hat and he's playing the banjo. Um, and it's really like beautiful. Yeah, the tones are very warm. Similar to her other mm -hmm. she's keeping landscapes. Her her palette is she's keeping it very small, her palette. Mm -hmm. Like you can you can tell that she's using browns, she's using oranges, she's using yellows and reds. Like Mm -hmm. she's not really venturing out
0: into the more colorful, yeah. She's, around.
1: you know, where her pieces, where they went, you know, where she goes back to, kind of her textile roots. Yeah, you'll notice that they're so bold, but she takes this time, um, this piece in the nineteen forty-four. Like she takes this
0: time to just be kind of muted. Yeah, and I think in the forties and fifties, especially, she was treating uh, one these portraits and her landscapes in a very dignified yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Like this is, she's painting this banjo player. As, I, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's still imp- academic. Right, yeah. It's yeah. still...
1: She's she's still following the rules, right. um, I think. And she's not stepping out of what she... It, it doesn't... This piece is very well painted. You can see her techniques. You can see what she's capable of. It's very obvious. But does it... Can you see her in this piece? Right, right. Not really. I can't... Like, just comparing on her later works that we're going to talk about, like, she... It still feels very academic. I think yeah. she's still trying to show her technique and maybe push push her technique like to further limits.
0: Yeah. Um, but I think she took the words from Alan Locke very yeah. seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that she needed to portray these mm-hmm. pillars mm-hmm. of her community and her heritage very seriously? Yeah, exactly. Um, so she doesn't really find her voice mm-hmm. quite yet, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and she wanted to. You know, after World War II, she was able to go back to France, but I think she wanted to go back there, back to Paris, long before that. Yeah. Sorry. You're good. <laughs> um, Bumping into each other. Right. And she she works mostly in the south of France when she goes back. Um, she stays with her friend, Celine Tabari, who was her, her white... Um her fair skin her fair skin French
1: translator right um, but they've grown they are uh, now, right they're long they're past long time the, friends now yeah. they've
0: developed quite the friendship, but um, she had stayed mostly in Paris the last time she had visited France. And so she, when she went back in the late 50s, she was able to stay with Tabari and her family. So she got to see the south of France and the merchants mm-hmm. and the water and all of the, like, beautiful countryside. Yeah. Um, and so she paints a lot of those landscapes.
1: Yeah, so she takes this time to go back to, I mean, like, what What the fuck else are you going to do in France, you know? <laughs> right. but I can't like, imagine there's artist. a lot of people
0: with color You're there.
1: Right. Yeah. But it's like, what, what are you going to do but not paint these? landscapes like you know what I mean like this is also what a lot of Parisians are doing so I think she was just kind of touching base on on what she did at the in the fellowship I think yeah Um, so 1953
0: she, she met. So, she... Did we already talk about this? No. So, she originally meets, um, in 1934, she meets um, Luis Vergenard Louis Verginard Pierre Noel. V- Pierre, Pierre Noel. Anyway, so his Whatever. friends call him Pierre. Right. That's what we're going to um, So, she meets Pierre in 1934, and kind of... They're both graduate students, um... In a summer session at Columbia University, because our girl, Maylu Jones, never stopped working. She was, wow, an inspiration. But, um, so she meets him during the summer session, and then they kind of lose touch. She goes to France, and it's the 30s, so what are you going to do? Pick up a phone? Are you going to look him up in a phone book? It's impossible. And he was a Haitian citizen, so. Yeah, so he split yeah, his time. Yeah, yeah. Between New York and yeah. Haiti.
1: And like all mothers, like, you know, <laughs> at this point, poor, you know, Jones is like, you know, in her 40s. Is your mother like this? The Does heck? she want you to be married? Uh, I think she's over it. I think she's like, she's accepted. to reached the point. You're I mean, not she has my 30. sister. It's right. All right. My, yeah. my parents are less like forceful, but also they have my sister who's married and happy. Shout out to my sister right. and her like wonderful husband. <laughs> um, thank the Lord. Um, um, so the pressure's off but right. Um, she's already in her 40s at this point her, so her mother is kind of like you know being worried. like tick tock tick tock right think, that her like, daughter yes. will be a. so Mama Dukes is putting pressure on the woman like, the <laughs> so after like a brief courtship right her- very brief because he just straight up shows up at her fucking yeah. house but they had been knowing they had known each other for quite a while so- right yeah
0: right. Um. so they get married yeah so he went and visited her, um, kind of out of the blue, in D.C., and then they get married Ooh. in the same year, in 1953, Yeah, in the south of France, um, in Tabari's hometown, in the August of 1953. And, uh, and so, since Pierre was Haitian, they would take... Her- annual trips to Haiti Um, and this is kind of where I think she's built her foundation she's a painter she's pivoted towards that As a career, but this is where she really hits her stride. Yeah, I think think. this is
1: where she really finds like her that sweet spot. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think because these works that we're gonna talk about, just she's so confident. Her lines are so clean. Um, She,
0: you can feel where she came from. Yeah, and really understand. Her refinement as an mm-hmm, artist. Mm-hmm. In
1: 1955, um, the Haitian president, Paul E. Maglier? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> invited her to work on a series of paintings. Um, so basically, they commissioned her to kind of depict um, everyday people in Haiti and, and the landscapes. And the and, uh, landscape. So basically, yeah. like um, the president of Haiti wanted her to, you know, paint the culture. Basically, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so th- these pieces that she creates for for this commission is I- insane. Like her color usage. So, the should we jump into the first piece? Yeah, absolutely. Talking? Ahem. <clears throat> <clears throat> So
0: in the nineteen sixties, um so nineteen sixty one is kind of where yeah. I think you know, she'd been in Haiti for a while and she'd really understood her influences. Um and this is really like the crux mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. she hits her stride. Yeah. So um she paints this
1: piece called Ooh, it's in French. Les
0: Vendus de Tissus. Let's translate this. It's of the vendors of, of t- fabric, t- fabric or cloth. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, I can contact clues about. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, I think this brought about new themes of the marketplace, of um, rituals, of the spiritual, of Symbolism of like womanhood and African culture, mm-hmm. absolutely.
1: And uh, this, so this piece is painted, um, is an oil painting, mm-hmm. and basically just to describe it, um, horizontal. Yeah, it's um, it's a horizontal piece. Um, basically, it's a line of women um, wearing different textiles and and brightly covered, fa- brightly colored fabrics, um, which is kind of different than what she had been doing like she hadn't really done anything this bright i think right.
0: um yeah if you think about this compared to the banjo player yeah, who's like, also a depiction of in of a black person yeah very it's different
1: night and day yeah. night and day Absolutely. like her her technique is different. She's doing; it is a bit cubist, right? Um, like she you can does.
0: Feel those yeah,
1: she has these strong, very strong contrasts. But that's
0: also African influences, yes. Yeah, which is, is who is the cubist stole it from?
1: Right, right. But that's I mean. another episode. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so there is an argument for where cubism started. Right. Um, and I think again, she's this is not accidental. Like, I think she's purposely using these techniques to bring it back, um, to where they originated. But Mm -hmm. that's
0: right, that's That's a debate, probably. Debate that's another conversation. Um, but yeah, I think I think this is an indication of her later works, which are my I mean, I think her whole career was successful. She never, she was a A very talented person, Mm -hmm. um, but I think her later works in the 60s and 70s are some of my favorites. Yeah, I think it's really, like, her niche. Yeah, absolutely. And so the couple maintained a home and separate studios in Port-au-Prince in Haiti, um, but kind of were unable to return um, later. Yeah, I think
1: like Haiti was going through a lot. Um, a political struggle at that time mm-hmm. and um, I think this kind of forced them
0: um, to kind of stop visiting Haiti. And to stay <clears throat> in D.C. Yeah. But I think her influences in Africa remained and she so, I mean, she was an, a Harlem Renaissance painter and in the 60s and 70s the black power movement was coming into its own there were young people who were adopting african names and clothing and wearing dashikis and i think and visiting this motherland and i think that she also felt that connection yeah so during this time she so she still carries the
1: african american influences in her work mm mm-hmm. I think even more so now. I think more even aggressively because... Oh, she, yeah. Yeah, I think that now there's a language for it. And, you know, as Reb was saying, in the 60s and 70s, it was like a powerful, powerful era for African-Americans. Right. And I think she definitely, you know, did the right thing in using this time and that platform to express her art in a different way, which I really mm-hmm. like.
0: Yeah. So. And, yeah, I think there's There was an audience for it in a way that hadn't existed when she first started her practice in the 30s. And so she herself, through Howard University, visited 11 African countries to research the contemporary artists and sort of compile biographic materials and photograph artworks and artists and conduct interviews and sort of build a foundation for contemporary African art. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which in and of itself is incredible. Um, I think at this
1: time like she is starting to become an activist. Yeah. Um, She's starting to participate in protests. I mean this was during the time of the Vietnam War so um, she did protests Against um, the Vietnam War and you know racism, as and a for African American rights, yeah. yeah, and women's
0: <laughs> rights, yeah. I, I mean, we talked about this in our own lives, but it really, I'm astonished that a person with a career like Louise May Lou Jones mm-hmm. does not have the name recognition of a Georgia O'Keeffe. Yeah. She had such a long career. Yeah. And such an influent, like an influential presence. And to be fair, she was painting just as much. Just as um, much. And you know,
1: everyone knows we love Georgie O'Keefe. I do. Her work is important. You know, we we find her to be a very important artist. But it creates this conversation of like, okay, but but why not? But why not? Like, but why haven't?
0: Why did we have to dig? You know, right? And Uh, like, yes, I found a few really great books mm -hmm. on Jones, but I but not nearly as many as Mm -hmm. I don't know. I why I feel she so similar to o'keefe like they both lived long into their 90s and they both had really prolific careers in where in which they were really involved in several cultures yeah and uh and yet even though we live in boston where louise was from Mm -hmm. we know very little about her until we started researching for this episode Mm -hmm. and i think she deserves a a wider audience, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, that's just my that's take. Like, yeah. um, it's just like, it just brings us full circle, full fucking circle, yeah, man. Like like this is women
1: of about. color matter. Yeah, not only are women being underrepresented, but women of color
0: specifically. Specifically, yeah, and I, I don't know. I hope that we're. Dedicating as much time to yeah to and- the marginalized women as we are to the to the white women. So hey, woo 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 I'm I'm applauding you. Um, um, yeah. So the piece we're going to talk about next is. So, she goes
1: back to D.C., mm-hmm. and she's doing a, this piece. So, in 1971, she creates Magic of Nigeria. This one is, like, my I I mean, it's love. the
0: most, rec- most recognizable. this is, And
1: this one, this is the piece that also brings us back to her experience with textile.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, this and the one, I mean, she made four works. Um, no, it, she
1: full-blown goes back. She,
0: goes, she yeah. goes straight for it, but... Mm-hmm. This one and Moon Mask. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both both really speak to her roots. Yeah. But um, um, So the pieces are very colorful. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that she doesn't, she didn't always feel, feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah. In her landscapes and straight portraiture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And it's a watercolor, which is kind of surprising to me because this piece does not look like oh, a watercolor. No. The colors are so crisp, so sharp, like she's glonking, like using <laughs> <laughs> She's using very little water. Yeah, like it's almost like why it's a very saturated. Yes, um, her colors are so bright. Um,
0: and I like this, so and much. it's energetic, and it's still simple and refined mm-hmm. and very detailed. Mm-hmm. It's at the center of the composition. There isn't much of a background, but I think it really shows i think more than any of the pieces that came before it her textile background yeah 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 her design background mm-hmm. and um moon mask is um Another piece, similar in the same vein, made in the same year, um, combines the motif of various regions of Africa in the composition, including a Kwele mask of Zare? Ooh. Question mark? Yeah, wow, I'm not South African. Zier? I'm very sorry. Zare? Um Zier. Z-A-I-R-E. The, the Kwele mask In the center. Of, yeah. The 70s, I think, were... The 70s and 80s were, like, her strongest pieces. Right. She was embracing her heritage yeah. and really, I mean, they're just... They're unobjectively powerful. Just- powerful pieces about her heritage of African-American, African cultures. And they're just so beautiful. And gorgeous. Her color
1: theory is just, it makes so much sense. Like, oh, my God, I love the way she, like, this orange with this. So she did several,
0: kind of, like, all in one. They're very much of the same. And one of them, the one that you're talking about, is the Mare de Senegal, where a woman is braiding another woman's hair, like, cornrowing it. Yeah, Um, Which I think of itself is a powerful image that isn't talked about at all. Like natural hair. It's so beautiful. It's gorgeous. My favorite of these pieces and the one that I've seen in person is the Ubi Girl from Air Region. I've seen it twice. Um, Once recently at, at the Broad and then I saw it once at the ICA. Nice. Yeah. I really love it. It's one of my favorite pieces of hers and kind of, it's just like... A gorgeous full it's a full composition that doesn't seem chaotic mm-hmm. and is full of like textiles and texture and like two portraits as well as two like silhouetted sort of like design masks and I I don't know it's just so successful. Yeah. It's one of my favorite pieces of yeah. hers. Um,
1: no, I love this series. I love I love the three
0: yeah. lined up. I, yeah, it's, it's really great. So, the, so yeah, the works from this period that I think we we both think are really successful and that we are in love with are the Ubi Girl from the Air Region, The Afrique, d'Afrique, um, and Mare de Senegal. Um, I mean, they're some of her most well-known works right. also. For a reason. I think she really hit her stride in the 60s and 70s, which is incredible because she was a... What?
1: At this point, how old
0: is she? She's At this like point. a 60-year-old woman. Yeah, like she's... Yeah. Still willing to grow and learn. Yeah, I know,
1: that's crazy. Still changing, still evolving. Okay. I mean, there are so many of her pieces that we don't talk about, obviously. I mean, yeah, she had a very um, full career. If you could, like, just take a second to, like... I mean, even I if you fully Google recommend them, straight
0: Googling Yeah. Her, she's, um, yeah, just like... African sculptures and masks yeah. and just a rich a rich later career. Yeah. I and she lost her husband yes. at what? this time. Really? Yeah. Where so what happens? To um in April of nineteen eighty two, Pierre dies. Oh. Baby. I know. I would miss my husband.
1: That's so sad. Don't say that, Red. I will. I hope he I hope I die first. Yeah. No, 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 I don't.
0: I don't. But if I were in your shoes, yes. yeah. Who wants to be the leftover party? No, oh, thank you. I know, bye How not? Um, okay, so she goes back to Haiti. Yeah, so he's buried in Port-au-Prince. Yeah, Port-au-Prince in Haiti. Um, in their home that they shared there, you can see his burial from their from their veranda. Oh, that's sweet. It's sweet, yeah. Um, oh and God. so he always encouraged her to kind of go back to her. Impression Impressionistic roots, mm-hmm. and so in the late '80s, the mid late '80s, she takes his advice, even though he's gone, and so she returns to France to visit her right her fucking best friend. To, this is this, this to is Barry, Celine me. to Barry. I love this. It's so fucking I know. Cute. I love a good lifelong. She's like,
1: oh my god, woman my husband friendship. just died. An interracial, friendship interracial too.
0: women supporting women. Uh, yeah, it friendship. doesn't get any better. Listen, I only support women because, I mean, fuck that. Fuck that. Man. Fuck. That. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. fuck men. Fuck men. Um, That's what we're here only for. Women, only women, only female identifying people. Yeah. No men Honestly. allowed. no men allowed.
1: So she goes back to France with her bestie, her French bestie. Right, and she continues painting landscapes.
0: Yes, At per her husband's request. Right, do whatever makes you fucking happy. You're fucking old as shit. Yeah, do just whatever you. Do it. Want. <laughs> okay, so in these times, um, so Pierre passes away. She starts to. Nineteen ninety. Okay. Okay, so, so we talked about the paintings that we really liked. Okay, so we'll say this. Yeah, um, we should
1: cut it. So kind of, I'm um,
0: Jones focus. was a strong force in teaching and promoting African American art. Um, Where Do you want to read we? this um, in the quote section? I believe it is yeah. the duty of every African-American artist to participate in the current moment, which aims to establish recognition of works by African-American artists. The major focus is to achieve for African-American artists their just and rightful place in the mainstream of the art world. Which is true. Which is fucking true. Which is still not happening. Yeah, I think she was well before her time. Yeah, I think so. And I love that like... We
1: see her evolve in her work. Which yeah. I really like. She yeah. doesn't like take a subject matter and stay with it. She she her technique changes a lot. I'm trying so Okay, hard. so well,
0: um, no, so no, we're no, skipping no, ahead. No, no, no. We're, we already talked about so his bear, burial. Yeah, so he dies. Um. Yeah. So she's visiting her, her friend, her friend Tabitha. Celine Celine Tabari, Tabari. <laughs> um, <laughs> and <laughs> she paints. Le Chateau Neuf de Grasse. De, de Grasse. Grasse um, In 1989, she's yeah. an older woman, right? Um, And so you can feel the influences of her past landscapes, but I think you can also feel her development. It's must. It's much, It's mush. Wow. Oh shit!
1: <laughs> oh man! How many All beers? Right. Okay, it's I know. it's
0: very crisp. It is, is what I was crisp. trying to say. She's
1: taking the style that she's adopted with her like her most recent works. Fuck we. Don't make sense. No, and, that's, no, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and she's combining it with her landscapes because it. We have seen what she does within her landscapes, like with um, Indian shops, the Gay Head piece, and her. These are
0: very different. Yeah, and her the works that she was making.
1: Yeah, in the they're 40s. very different. But we've seen her landscapes before. Yeah. So she's like evolved in all areas of her like subject matter. And she took Pierre's advice. Yeah, she yeah. did. Because Pierre
0: wanted her to to go back to her roots um, he thought that she should kind of investigate
1: yeah, where, where she, she came off. from. yeah yeah. the impression yeah
0: exactly and I think that both were important to her yeah. I think that plain air was really her getting to understand landscape um, in a very intimate way But African culture was also important to her. Um, And she was a diverse painter. Yeah. Right. Can we... So in 1990, this is where shit
1: gets really good. It gets real. It gets really good. So you remember that gallery we were talking about? Right. (laughs) So you remember that gallery we were talking about that basically had a rule that no African-Americans can submit art? Yeah, The gallery... Corn-a-corn um, corn. Corn
0: gallery or <laughs> corn, whatever. Corn. Some shit like that. corn corn um, What do they do, Rev? Um, so they they hold a retrospective of her work. So um, the world of Louise may Lou Jones was a touring retrospective that went to many major galleries but it was also held by the Corcoran Um, and they so they held the retrospective along with the public apology yeah so um, they for their past racism right so yeah which is great which is is, it it is progressive I understand that maybe the past directors the past employees of this gallery were racist but I I appreciate the fact that in the 80s and 90s that they could say like we were wrong
1: right Right. The peop-
0: my predecessors were wrong. Yeah, and because your work it's, it's important.
1: important to not like erase that these things happened. Right, it's like acknowledge them. And when move I went forward. to New York, did I tell you? When I went to New York, I went to the Natural History Museum, and the one thing that really impressed me about the Natural History Museum—have you seen it? No. You know how they have, like, like sculpted figures, like, behind mm-hmm. the glass or whatever? Yeah. Well, there was one that very inaccurately depicts, like, the encounter between Indians and, like, Westerners. Mm-hmm. And, um... But instead of, like... I mean, the Natural History Museum has been around for, like, years, you know, like, years. So instead of, like, redoing this whole display, they used that opportunity, and they, like, the glass that's in front of it, they were like, oh, rethinking this image. So they're Mm. basically, and then they point out literally what's wrong with what. That's good. Yeah, and I was like, okay, good. Instead of, like, erasing, you know, how wrong you were, like, let's analyze and acknowledge that we did something wrong, and like make it right, you know. So 1998 June 9th. on June 9th, 1998, at age 92, Jesus. Um, she passes away
0: in DC. In DC. Um, and she's she's buried on Martha's Vineyard. Uh, we
1: should go see her grave. I know. I want to see it in
0: Oak's Bluff Cemetery. Yeah, we should go see her grave. Um, she she was an incredible woman. Yep. She had a long, incredible. War, life's body yeah. work, body of work, and I, I, I. It's astonishing that more people don't yeah. know who she is. I agree. Especially, you went to school in Boston. I went to I school in Boston. I took many women art history classes specifically, and I knew nothing about her right. before. And so, this is our ode to Louise Maylu Jones. Yeah, she was. She should be better known. She should be. She's super. She should be a O'Keefe. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. She had a long ass life. So you. So we'll post some stuff on Instagram. we'll post some stuff on Instagram. At the art broadcast. Yes. The art broadcast. Should we say rate us? Like us? Yeah. Like us. Fucking write a review and shit. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcast and Mm -hmm. Spotify. Oh
1: and tell us if you have like a female artist that you want us to talk about. Right.
0: We're going to we're going to try to do we are a no wave feminist podcast like I we are both women of color we want to talk about the marginalized communities LGBTQ and women of color so whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop, for stay sure. tuned <laughs> okay. for more this has See been uh, time. the art broadcast and we're out we're out Good. No.